Well, good morning. It is great to uh, finally be back on the road again. Worship team, thank you all so much. This is the uh, first time since the beginning of March that we've been in a church other than our home church uh, and sharing. But um, it's wonderful being back with you. Over these last few months, uh, we've had some unique um, opportunities. So Kim and I celebrated in uh, May 36 years married. Which is amazing because she claims to turn 29 every year. But, uh, and, and we also celebrated 34 years in ministry. So for 34 years, uh, God has allowed us to go. It's uh, six continents and over 40 nations uh, declaring the word of the Lord. And so uh, it's been an exciting time, an interesting time. Uh, but even though we've not been out traveling, we've been busy ministry. Uh, we've been doing online prophetic mentoring uh, Zoom classes. So we're meeting with people and beginning to train and raise up people to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been doing online life in the Spirit, teaching and training that has been reaching uh, a thousand people or so each week, ministering out from there and doing very different things. So uh, Kim and Shekinah are going to take a moment to just uh, greet you share for a moment before we get to the word, but Pastor John and Kristen, thank you for not canceling and allowing us to come and, and be with you, and thank you for making the effort to be with us tonight. So Shekinah, many of you uh, remember meeting for, for 17 years, it was just Kim and I. We were not able to have children, but God gave us a promise that we would have a daughter. She would be named Shekinah, which means the glory of God. And so Shekinah has been with us now uh, since she was born in 2001, traveling all over the world, 400 and some airplanes and uh, across the nations of the earth. But Shekinah, why don't you greet everybody and tell them what you've been up to. Hi, first of all, I wanted to say um, I'm so glad to finally be back here again. It's been so long since I've been here. I've missed it. Like, seriously, you guys are amazing. Um, so the last little while, um, I am now an adult. So, <laughs> and I just graduated from high school. And right now I'm just, um, you know, still traveling with my parents and stuff. So this year, I feel like it's been very weird for all of us. I'm, it really has. But one thing that I think maybe you should um, take to heart and that can maybe encourage you is that one thing I've noticed throughout this year is there's been a lot of weirdness, a lot of confusion. Um, honestly, some, you know, some people have been scared throughout this whole time. And I have noticed that God can really shine through in the darkest, most confusing, hardest times. I've noticed throughout this time that even though there's a whole bunch of craziness going on in the world, that God is right there and he is so tangible right now. He's just right beside you. And so I think that one thing you should take to heart is that no matter if you are scared of this thing or if you're very done with it or whatever your feelings are on it, the Lord is going to be right there and he's guiding you um, every step of the way. Oh, it is so good to be here. I tell you what, my heart was leaping in me this morning thinking about coming here, and I wanted to just get into the worship with a body. I, I just love that. But, um, but what was quite interesting is this. When we checked into our hotel last night, the Lord spoke to me even in the car and said that your room number was going to mean something, and I had no idea what that was. And so I asked Russ, what's our room number? When we checked in, it was 306. And I turned to Acts 306, 
And it says this, it says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we were singing a song about we're believing for miracles. So I think that you all are on the verge of a season of seeing the miraculous here. I mean, the Lord spoke to me that the room number was going to mean something, and that was the scripture. And so I ask you to open up your heart and let the belief just rise up, the faith rise up within you and see what he can do. It's an awesome thing. And, you know, I have been writing, actually, people have been write, asking me to write this book for years and years, and I just never had the time to do it because we were always on the road. Well, guess what? <laughs> we haven't been traveling near as much with this stuff. And so Russ found me a week in Virginia Beach by myself. I could be a little hermit and I could stay up in my room and I could write and write. I would write for 12 hours a day about my prophetic journey all the way back from whenever I was real little and to even the time about being caught up to heaven when I was in heaven for a while. And so I'm writing all of this and it was so, it's just like the Lord was just writing it through me. And it was so cool. I was totally by myself, totally by myself. I'd sit out on the balcony, watch the sunrise over the ocean and be writing. And it was just great. And so by the end of that week, I had written a lot actually, but um, I prayed this, you know, almost an outrageous prayer. I said, Lord, I thank you for this week. Thank you that I was able to do this this week, but I have so much more I want to write. Could you please somehow give me two extra days? I said, but we don't have the money to pay for two extra days. So somehow let me stay here for two extra days. You know, you know, what place will let you just, hey, why don't you just stay a couple extra days on us? You know, that doesn't happen. And so I went to bed. And I woke up about 6.30 in the morning to my phone ringing beside my bed. I pick it up. I'm groggy thinking, who is calling me? It's the front desk. And they said, Mrs. Klein, we are so sorry. We're going to have to move you to the room next to you because there's a leak from your bathtub directly into the room below you. And so why don't you move over there? It's even a better view on that room for your last night. And they're all so apologetic and everything else. And then she just stops and she goes, you know, we just got a cancellation. And the family that was going to be there for a week has now canceled on us. So I don't know what you have planned for this week. But if you'd like to, you can stay a whole week if you want. And I'm like nearly dropping the phone. I said, I asked for two days and I got a whole week. A whole week, Jesus paid for it. So it was great. But now my book is about 80% written, and I love it when God shows up like that. You know, he loves to delight us. And so I am believing God to use that book to go around the world and to absolutely let faith level just rise up, that everybody can have experiences with God. Everybody can know God in a way that they have never known before. Amen. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Thanks, Pastor John. So Kim actually jokes and says that because this was an anniversary present I gave her a week away from me. She said that was the best present I ever gave her. <laughs> what an anniversary, huh? I want to talk today for a few moments from Matthew chapter 24. I don't know how much time you spend online. 
you know, from all the things that go viral on Facebook and everything else. But, you know, you can be uh, blown about by so many different uh, opinions. And everybody's got a way to prove their point. And, you know, whether it is, you know, Bill Gates and vaccines with the mark of the beast and 5G and, you know, all that stuff, whether it's, you know, however you want to put, there's been a lot of talk about the end times, the last days. And, you know, I, I'll tell you this, I believe in the rapture. I believe Jesus is going to come back. But from somebody that's traveled the world for many years, I've seen people go through this and much, much worse in other parts of the world. And it's amazing to me that as soon as Americans get hit with some difficulty, we're ready to scream, it's the last days. Okay, I'm not, I'm not taking back the truth that we are rushing towards the return of Christ. But much of our theology actually is formed by our culture and our experience rather than the word. But I do believe that since Jesus returned to heaven, we've been in the last days. And we are rushing toward the return of the Lord. And the disciples had a lot of questions, just like a lot of people do today. What are the signs of the end of time? And so in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples came to Jesus, and they're saying, you know, you're talking about uh, the temple being torn down and rebuilt. You're talking about destruction. You're talking about, you know, all these things. And so the disciples said, what are the signs of the end and, uh, that, that you're coming soon? So Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and would deceive many. You will hear of wars or rumors of wars. But see to it, you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I want to stop there just for a moment. The word nation um, in the Greek there is actually ethnos. So what, what the word is saying here is not just that geopolitical nations will wage war, but literally it is saying that ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. That's what it's saying. And it says kingdom against kingdom. Now, there are political kingdoms that have arisen throughout time immemorial fighting one another. But I believe this is also indicative of a rising spiritual battle. And that the kingdom of darkness, that Satan is not just going to lay down and die because we say a few prayers. That he is raging like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And as the kingdom of darkness arises to try to bring the nations into bondage, the kingdom of God is arising by his spirit through the church. And so I believe one of the signs of the end of time is a church that is arising as warriors with the heart of God. So it says nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places, all, things, all these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, betray each other, hate each other. Many false prophets will appear, deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. Now, again, I remember, I'm 57 years old. I remember growing up in the 1970s, especially in the American church, and all the, all the teaching, all the preaching was about the end times. You know, we had the threat of, of Soviet communism. We had, uh, you know, many other things going on in that time. And the books were The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Uh, Billy Graham released movies called Thief in the Night. They're about the return of the Lord. I remember, uh, you know, being afraid as a kid. I don't know if you ever experienced this. I'd come home from school as a kid, and if I couldn't see mom in the first few minutes, I thought I'd miss the rapture. 
And so, so much of what I was raised on in the church was a fear of the end times, a fear of the Antichrist, a fear of 666, you know, all this kind of stuff. When we first moved to Virginia, when I was nine years old, uh, my dad was in the Navy. We ended up down in the Tidewater area. And I remember I went to a Baptist kids camp. And whoever set this camp up, they just, they weren't right in the head. The way they had it, the, the, the boys' dorms were over here. The bathrooms and showers were over here. And right in the middle was a graveyard. So in the middle of the night, if we had to go to the bathroom, we had to walk through a cemetery to get there. But our counselor was even worse. His, his devotion to us every night before we went to bed, eight, 19 year old boys, he'd read to us from the book of Revelation. And you know, so every night we're scared the Antichrist is going to come get us or you know, get our head cut, cut off or something. And this joker, our, our, our counselor, he was a joker. He waited till about 10 minutes after he finished devotions. He he'd, uh, left the room, turned off the light and said, good night. He, he waited for about five or ten minutes. He snuck around to the window right next to our bed, started banging on the window, screaming bloody murder. We thought surely the Antichrist had come to get us. We didn't need the bathrooms that night if you catch my drift. But you see, there's so much focus about the, uh, the destruction of the end times. I don't know if you are a student of world history, if, if we understand anything at all. Do you know that everything I've mentioned in Matthew 24 has been going on throughout the world since the fall? Again, again, I'm not taking away from the urgency and the lateness of the hour. But we have got to open our eyes and understand it's not just the destructive forces that point to the end time. Jesus said in the next verse, Matthew 24, verse 14... He said, along with these other signs, in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached for a witness to all nations. Again, the word there is ethnic groups. The gospel of the kingdom will be taken to every ethnic group in a culturally relevant way, and then the end will come. So I want to suggest to you that in the midst of turbulent times, which really are all the times in in the history of mankind, In the midst of turbulent times, there is an answer, and that is the spirit-empowered church bringing the gospel of the kingdom. That we are not to be distracted and dissuaded by circumstances. We must answer. We must arise and be the answer for the circumstances. But Scripture says this in Deuteronomy 28, that as the blessing upon God's people for obedience, it said we will be the head and not the tail. To me, that means that we don't follow. We are not a little uh, tail wagging, following culture. We don't let the politics or the culture or the heat of the moment in our nation set the tone for where the church goes. Rather than being uh, led by in our preaching, by everything going on, we ought to be led by the word and the spirit of God. And as we bring his word, the gospel of the kingdom will answer the circumstances of the land around us. So how is the church to be an answer to the world if we end up emulating or being like the world? Many times there is much as much division politically, culturally, racially, generationally in the people of God as there is in culture. But see, Jesus prayed a prayer. In John chapter 17, he prayed that we would be one. 
that God would make his church one, that we would be in unity. And do you know that Jesus did not pray that prayer in a cultural vacuum? It was in the midst of a great division along racial lines. There was Roman oppression and occupation. There was slavery. There are many other things. And in the midst of all of the, the, the disarray of culture, Jesus was not trying to set culture right first. He spoke and said, God, Father, would you make my people one? Because when we come together in the power of unity, we then have the right and a platform to speak hope and answer to the world around us. But how do we get from where we are to that place of unity? The Bible talks about the unity of the Spirit. You see, along with the prayer for unity came the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. That word is dunamis, you know, that dynamite, and you will be witnesses to me. The word witness in, in, in Greek there in Acts chapter 1 doesn't mean you're going to have the ability to knock on a door and give a tract to somebody and say, come to church. It literally means you have the ability, the power to be a martyr. That means the church is not called to be cowards. We're not called to live in fear, walk in fear, and run away from the battle. Do you remember when uh, the children of Israel were getting ready to fight the Philistines and Goliath? And it says that every day the army of Israel would arm themselves for battle and yell uh, the battle cries that go out to the battlefield. And so that's indicative to me of the church screaming and hollering, waving our banners, shouting our prayers and our praises. But as soon as Goliath appeared, the army of Israel took tail and ran like cowardly dogs. You see, that's much of how the American church has operated, in my opinion, in the last few months. Before all of this happened, we were in our churches and we were shouting the battle cry, going through all of our emotions. But then when battles started arising, we tucked tail and we run. And there are very few that have been willing to stand for truth in the midst of all of this. But God found a young man named David and he anointed him and David ran to the battle. God wants to empower his church with his spirit to in the midst of a a turbulent circumstance of time and life and culture to be full of the spirit of God and bring forth the answer of the spirit. So what was it that happened on the day of Pentecost that caused the church to be empowered to be an answer for the culture they were in? In Acts chapter 2, you know the story. It says they were in one accord in one place. There is a unity required in the spirit if we're going to move forward into what God has for us. Now, please understand, unity does not mean conformity. Kim and I have been married 36 years, and she still doesn't think I'm right all the time. But we can be unified. We may have different opinions. You know what? In the midst of the cultural and even racial uh, battles and and, and conversations that are happening right now, I'll be honest with some of my African-American brothers and sisters, and I'll say, look, I'm a 57-year-old white man. There are attitudes and opinions that I have that are informed by my culture and my experience. And I'll tell them, I don't know what it means to be a 20-year-old black man in America. We need to have that conversation. We need to talk. But can I tell you something else? When we finish talking, it doesn't matter what a 57-year-old white man thinks or a 20-year-old black man thinks. What matters is what the Word says. You see, we cannot be led by the color of our skin or the age of our, 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 our generation. We must be led by the Spirit. 
And so somehow we've got to get together in unity. I mean, look, I am very strong in my political opinions, but I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that disagree with me, and I think they're ignorant and have blinders on, but they still are brothers and sisters in Christ. How can I be unified with somebody that would vote anarchism in? Well, I'm letting some of my opinion get in there. I don't understand that. But somehow, if we're going to have the outpouring of the Spirit of God to be the answer for society at this moment in time, we've got to set aside differences and go after the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit of God. And it says they came together in one accord in one place. And as they were praying and crying out to God for the empowering of the Spirit, because Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem to take the gospel of the kingdom until you be endued with power from on high. See, much of the reason that we've been flapping our gums in the American church and nobody's paying attention is because we've not waited till we had the endowment of power. We've been trying to go in the power of our oratorical ability. We've been trying to go in the power of our personality. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because nothing else is going to reveal the, the, the glory of Jesus in that manner. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? It says they were together in one place, one accord, and the sound came as a blowing violent wind. We sang a song uh, this morning. It was talking about the valley of dry bones arising. I'm reminded of that story in Ezekiel chapter 37. You remember that? Ezekiel the prophet is taken to a valley full of dry bones. And let me say this. I believe God's raising up a new type of prophetic person that's not going to look for the platforms of applause, but they're going to go to the graveyards of culture. You see, a lot of prophetic ministry, and again, I don't know what you follow online, but prophets have been all over the place the last few months. It wasn't going to be bad. It was going to be over about Passover. It was going to be over about Pentecost. It's like nobody in their right mind had any idea what was going on. And so the church is blown around trying to follow their favorite prophet and trying to explain why the prophecy didn't come to pass. You see, God is not looking to place prophets on platforms to receive applause of man. He's raising up a prophetic people that will go to the very graveyards of our culture. And when we stand before the graveyards of dead bones, our word is not, you're dead, what's wrong with you? How can you be dead? Our word is God's going to bring you alive. You see, the prophetic word of the Lord today is speaking life where there is death right now. That means somebody has got to come up instead of screaming and a hollering, trying to plant their opinion and plant their flag on an issue. Somebody needs to speak the life of God. And so when, the, when Ezekiel began to prophesy over the valley of dry bones, he looked at hopelessness. He looked at death. You look at the circumstances around us today. You look at the places of influence that God has put you in, and it can look hopeless. But when we begin to prophesy, Ezekiel said, the life of God is coming. And it says that, a, uh, that the bones began to shake and rattle and came together. Again, until the body is in unity together, there won't come life. And then as Ezekiel began to prophesy, flesh and muscle came on the bones. I don't have time to try to go into all of it today, but flesh is a covering. That means we cover one another. And instead of exposing one another, instead of trying to fight one another and find the, uh, the, the place of weakness of argument and opinion, instead of trying to expose one another on Facebook, we're covering one another. We have the muscle of the word of God. But you know what? They were still dead corpses. It wasn't until the breath of God came. 
And Ezekiel began to prophesy, Ruach, breath of God, come and breathe from the four winds and cause this, these bones to come alive. God is releasing a fresh, fresh wind of his spirit to blow on a, a, a church and a culture that is dead and dying and cut off and separated and hopeless. And he's breathing life. And when the life of God came, it says they arose on their feet. Not a denomination, not a political party, but they arose as an army. God's bringing forth an army of his presence, his spirit, his word in these last days. We understand this, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. I believe that we don't hide away, that we are engaged in culture, we're engaged politically and everything else, but our battle is not primarily the outward things. Our battle is not primarily cultural or political, it's spiritual. And that means we need to learn again because Christians have been, over the last few years, have been told you need to engage with culture. Don't hide away waiting for the rapture, but get involved in culture and that's good. But I believe as a side effect, many have stopped fighting the spiritual battle. So we've got to, again, let the wind of God blow as they did on the valley or dry bones and on the day of Pentecost and bring life. The second thing that happened on the day of Pentecost is a tongue of fire came and separated and rested upon each of them. The Bible says this. John the Baptist said when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There's a fire of cleansing God's releasing in his church. You see, fire brings purity. Fire is to uh, cause us to be like Jesus because we speak words that don't match our lifestyle. You know what? We will speak words of being pro-life, and yet the very thing that leads to abortion is immorality, and you find immorality and perversion and pornography in the church. How can we have authority against the result of perversion, which is abortion, if we have the same weakness and sin in our own lives. The fire of God is to cleanse us and purge us and purify us as the people of God so that we have a foundation of integrity by which we can speak from. And so the fire of God will burn and purge. The fire of God will also bring passion. There's a scripture in the Song of Solomon that says, love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. I have a friend that was uh, uh, from Puerto Rico as an evangelist. And I remember years ago when we were in Bible college, he was on the phone with a girlfriend one time. And he was like, oh, baby, you light my fire. I mean, you know, it was Puerto Rican. It was, you know, he was uh, Latino and Hispanic and then, uh, passionate. But, you know, there's a passion that comes with the fire of God. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes, we will fall in love passionately, madly with the Son of God all over again. <clears throat> but what else does the fire of God do? The fire of God will propel us into the, the marketplace with the kingdom message. Have you ever seen a rocket take off from the earth, um, a, a space shuttle? There's a massive fire that causes it to break the pull of earthly gravity. We have been bound so much to earthly thinking, worldly talking, the, 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 uh, the cultural way of doing things. The fire of God is to propel us out of the gravity of the earthliness into the realm of the Spirit. And then finally, on the day of Pentecost, there came tongues. Two things it means. Number one, these were the believers that when Jesus was crucified, not many days before this, they were silent. But now they began to speak. God's not asking for the excuse of your personality. 
just because you're quiet, just because you don't think you have the personality or the gifting to do this or do that or speak. Can I tell you something? When the fire of God is upon you, there's going to be a release of God. Have you ever touched accidentally, hopefully accidentally, a hot burner? When you accidentally touch fire, there's a reaction. Ah! If you have the fire of God in you, you may not be, have the same personality as Pastor John or Kristen, but you will have something to say. Open your mouth and God will fill it. But when they began to speak, it was supernatural. That means that God is empowering the church not just to win arguments with the worldly wisdom of man. Even Paul said, I don't come to you with the, the wisdom of man. I come to you with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. We must see again the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I'm at the end of being impressed with hype in church services. I want to see the kind of power of God demonstrated that doesn't take the right kind of lights, the right kind of music, and the right kind of praying to get people into a miracle. I want to see the kind of miracles that last after the emotion of the meeting is over. I want to see the kind of miracles that catch the attention, not of a few charismatic maniacs in church, but it literally will catch the attention of the city around us. That's what God wants to do. And guess what? God wants to do it through you. How many of you know God uses normal people? How many of you are at least somewhat normal? God wants to pour his spirit out in you and through you. So what is the answer for the world in turbulent times. Can I tell you this? I don't prophetically know what's going to happen. Kim and I have kind of been prophesying for 33 of our 34 years of ministry. We prophesied to leaders around the world, prophesied to thousands of people, seeing God bring amazing things. Can I tell you what? I don't know what's going to happen. I have what I think, what I hope is God, what I'm praying. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in November. In the election, I don't know what's going to happen with the unrest. I don't know what's going to happen with justice and injustice. I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. I've got all my opinions. So do you. But what is God saying? I'm not completely sure. But what I do know is what the Word says. And the Word says that in spite of all these other things that will happen and increase until Jesus returns, in the midst of that, we are to take the gospel of the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yesterday, was it yesterday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, the FBI raided a house across the street from us because for two and a half years we've had a drug house. Shots at 11.30 at night, we ran to our bedroom and hid under our bed because our neighborhood has been taken over by a drug house. They're raiding it every few days. There's turmoil. I mean, Shekinah's room is right there where they're shooting. What do you do? What do you do when turmoil is all around you? What do you do when marches are happening and they're doing more than protesting injustice, but they're trying to tear down the very house they're living in? And I'm not talking about, when I say they, I'm not talking about a color. I'm talking about the, the protesters, the anarchists, those trying to destroy. What do we do? I don't know all that's going to happen, but I do know the word says this. The kingdom of God will advance. The kingdom of God will be released everywhere we pray. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know what we're praying in our neighborhood? God, let your kingdom come. Let peace be restored to my street. Let righteousness 
kick out unrighteousness. Let the joy of the Lord be released again. God wants us to be the answer, but it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, these are the end times. Yes, Jesus is coming again. Yes, we need to take that message of urgency because whether Jesus comes this afternoon or somebody passes away this afternoon, we don't have assurance of tomorrow, but we have assurance of eternity through Christ. But not only that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit so we can arise and we can be unified in the Spirit. We can be full of the power of God. We can have the passion of the Lord. We can have the purity of God. We can be propelled into our place of influence of the kingdom of God, and we'll open our mouth, and God will give us the words that will shake cities and nations. You will lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. You will cast out devils. That's what I'm doing every time I pass that house. I'm casting the demons out of that house. I believe it's time for the church to not hide, not just go through the motions of getting back to normal, but saying, God, empower me with your spirit to be the evidence of your kingdom and the world around us. Stand to your feet if you would. I appreciate the opportunity of sharing. Of course, we have second service. But look, right here, we want to honor our time. But what I want us to do is this. Two things. Number one, if you have a thank you worship team, if you are in this place today without an assurance of your eternity in Christ, we want you to know this. Jesus is coming back at some point in time for his church. And God has given his son to make every one of us ready, to give us an opportunity of life. So I want you to look at me just for a moment with heads up and eyes open. If you are born again, you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a follower in Jesus Christ. You may not be perfect, but you have surrendered your life to Christ. You've repented of your sin. You've received Jesus as Savior. And if I were to ask you personally, do you know that you're on your way to heaven? If you can say, yes, I am on my way to heaven. I'm a born again. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Wave at me. Praise God. You can put hands down. The majority of us, of course. Maybe you couldn't lift your hand just then, and I'm not here to try to single you out or put you on the spot. But I want the reality to grab a hold of our heart. If you could not raise your hand just then, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of opportunity. Would you do this with me? Would you turn to somebody next to you, social distance with those who are close to you? And would you ask them, just a very simple question. Are you right with God? Do you know Jesus? If they say no or I'm not sure, would you say, hey, can I go stand with you and pray? If there's somebody that says I'm not sure I'm right with God, I want you to bring them down. The rest of us, how many of you, you want a fresh filling of the Spirit of God in your life? If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, guess what? It doesn't take an hour of yelling around the altar. It doesn't take even the preacher laying hands. All it takes is you opening your mouth and saying, here I am, fill me. For every one of us, God wants to fill us, refill us, empower us again to be a witness. So lift your hands to the Lord with me if you would as we close out our time together here today. 
Father God, you have given a gift to your people. The gift of your son, the gift of salvation, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we pray today, God, that you would release the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but, you know, when a, when a little kid tears into a, a, a Christmas present, a birthday present, they're not meek, they're not mild, they run after it. When we as children of God go to the Father and receive the gift, we don't go with just a half-hearted attitude. We go before the Father with excitement, with expectation, and then a child will squeal in laughter and in delight as they receive that gift. I want us to receive the gift of the Father, of the Holy Spirit. So would you do this with me? With hands lifted, would you open your mouth and would you begin to worship Him? Open your mouth and begin to praise Him. If you have a prayer language of the Spirit, would you begin to pray in tongues? If you've not yet received that, allow the Holy Spirit to fill you now. Now, God, we thank you that in this moment of time, Lord, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trial, God, in the midst of warfare, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of confusion, there is one answer, and He is Jesus Christ, and He is revealed through a Spirit-empowered church. And so, God, in this moment, moment of time. It is going to take a spirit-empowered church to be an answer for our society. And Lord, we cry out to you today that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Lord, put your words in our mouth. Put your power in our hands. Put your heart in our hearts. Put your passion and your compassion, Lord, deep within us. Empower us to be the people of God. God, we thank you and pray for that empowering of your anointing to be released. And God, even now, Lord, as there are people that need that miracle touch themselves, would you release the miracle of God? Lord, would you cause us not only to walk in health and wholeness, God, let our families be made strong and whole. God, we pray that every area where the enemy is creeping in to try to bring division in family units, Lord, that you would arise. Lord, may divorces be canceled. Lord, may uh, the unity be released in our homes. And God, release us as ambassadors to the world around us. You sang a song earlier that talks something about um, an anthem, being an anthem. And it's as if the Lord is saying, we are to raise the banner of his anthem in the world around us. And even for you, that um, there's going to be something, as you were singing that song, that had the word anthem in there. It's like the Lord was saying that there's going to be a banner wave of even songs that you bring forth and other things. But it's not just songs. There's an anointing on you as well, brother, to speak truth. I don't know. I don't understand this fully. You know, the songs are great and God will use that. And I know by natural knowledge you wrote one of those songs. I don't know which one it was. I don't remember. But, um, but the Lord says this. It's not just through the songs you write. There's an anointing on your mouth. There's an anointing on your lips. You're going to find yourself declaring his word. But catch this. God is going to build the platform. I want you to hear this. God's going to build a platform. You do not have to try to say, God, how do I get to that place of, of the platform to where I'm going to speak the truth you've given me? 
God has been working in you truth that needs to be declared. But the Lord says, I'm going to build the platform by my spirit, and then you're just going to arise naturally. So God just seems to be saying, be at peace. Don't try to figure out the next steps. Just walk into the things that God opens for you. Look, it is a time of transition. It is a time of a new day, but don't try to make it happen, even out of passion. But walk into it as God opens the way. But there's an anthem anointing on you for that. Father, we thank you that, God, you're releasing a people of power in the midst of a problematic generation. Now, God, we thank you. We seal the word and work of the Lord. God, that we would go forth contemplating the fact that, Lord, our focus is not on the problem. It's on the gospel of the kingdom of God. Our focus is not on politics and culture and unrest. Our focus is on Jesus Christ empowering us by His Spirit. So God, thank you. Lord, we pray that you would walk with us through today, that we would take every opportunity to witness of Jesus, that the power of the Holy Spirit would be flowing through us, wind, fire, and tongues. Come and empower your people. Now, Lord, we thank you. We seal the word work of the Lord. We give you honor and praise, and we will walk in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Why don't you give a praise to the Lord? Just clap your hands and praise to the Lord for a moment.